Publishing for Profit podcast is brought to you by Ghostwriters and Co. Earn more money by publishing better content and learn how to increase your thought leadership so you can build your brand. Head over to ghostwritersandco.com for more information. That's ghostwritersandco.com. And now, your host, Joel Mark Harris. Hello, this is Joel Mark Harris, and you are listening to the Publishing for Profit podcast. Today, we interview Robin Roast, a freelance writer and journalist. Uh, we talk about one of my favorite things, which is obviously journalism and writing. Uh, she gives us some great tips if you're just starting out as a writer and also as a business if you want to market yourself. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. Hello, Robin, and welcome to the Publishing for Profit podcast. How are you today? I'm good, Joel. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So Robin is an accomplished freelance writer. She has a new book coming out, which I'm excited to talk about. Um, But first off, I just want to talk about copywriting because copywriting is something that is uh, near and dear to both of our hearts. But why should a business hire a copywriter? Yeah, it's not loaded at all. <laughs> if if you aren't a copywriter, it's hard to kind of wrap your head around why why you'd hire someone to talk about you. But when you actually start trying to write about your business or yourself, you find it's very hard. And also, it takes a long time to come up with just that perfect that perfect statement that you are uh, trying to say, but you can't just quite get it out and a copywriter really can get into the deep down like what you're trying to say about your business or yourself and bring it out and that's their expertise and they can say it in a way that motivates your customer or your client to take an action so that's essentially why it's so important to hire a copywriter or work with a copywriter on these uh, especially branding projects but even anything right like anything that you want to uh to put in front of your customers, you should uh, you should have a copywriter take another look. <laughs> I I always explain copywriting as sort of the middle person between your like you the business and your clients, and sometimes that message doesn't get through to your ideal client, and so the copywriter is able to parse that out and to really um, figure out what you're meaning say it in a way that does not involve jargon, does not involve any technical words that in a way that a um, potential client will understand, right? Because especially for a lot of technical companies, they're in it 24-7, right? And so they they don't necessarily are able to lift their, their head up from their sand and see, okay, what am I saying? And does it actually make sense? I know it makes sense to me, but does it make sense to my my audience right yeah i find a lot of the time we assume when we know we know a subject very well we mm-hmm. assume our customer knows as much as we do and so we skip uh, a lot of information that they actually need so yeah that's the genius of copywriter they can come in and bridge that gap yeah so how did you yeah how did you get into copywriting and and working with businesses 
that's a <laughs> it was an accident because when I got in to it I didn't know that that's what I was doing so <laughs> I I, uh, I don't know if that's everyone's story, but I, I really, I started on, on the journalism side. So I was, you know, service based and, you know, covering the news. And I, after a while started working with businesses, you know, I maybe interviewed them for a story I'd written and then they say, Hey, we need actually some help with this or that. Can you come in and talk with us? And I'd start working with them on their messaging and actually doing copywriting but not recognizing that's what I was doing and I found I had a real knack for it and I had a real passion for helping businesses really connect with their clients so that's how I got into it uh, it's kind of stumbling but a happy accident <laughs> nice did you have you always wanted to be a writer have you always enjoyed writing I've always loved writing I I've always enjoyed it it's always been a big part of my life but I never expected to be a writer, I guess, because I didn't really know that you could have a job as a writer, except for maybe an author. So I, I really, that's the only thing I really connected was, you know, a writer writes novels and I don't really have a creative <laughs> like fiction side of me. So I thought, well, that's just not for me. So yeah, I always loved writing. I never really expected to become a writer. So imagine my surprise when I realized how big this world really is for writers. And so you initially went to school for journalism. Why, why pursue that path initially? My, my idea with journalism was I wasn't sure if I had kind of the nose for news uh, because I'm quite I'm pretty shy um, and I you know journalism involves meeting a lot of people and asking hard questions. So I wasn't sure if that was for me, but I knew there was something to it. So I was interested in truth. I was interested in storytelling and those uh, aspects of, of the, of the industry really appealed to me. And I also liked how quickly, like the fast pace of journalism. So you're, you know, you work on a story, you file it, it's done, you move on to the next one. It's very diverse. There's lots of different, different, uh, things you get exposed to. So that really appealed to me. So that's why I initially got into it. I thought I'm just going to try it on, see where it goes. Cool. Um, so I want to talk a little bit because I have a journalism background as well. And mm. I'm, I'm very passionate about journalism. And I believe it's super important uh, to have great journalists out there. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I don't see that happening so much these days but can you tell us a little bit about what you see in the because you're actually more in it than I am you're mm. you are more on the front lines than I have been for a long time so what are you seeing in the journalism world do you think it's important and I guess you know second part of the question is do you think it's important that we still have quality journalism right yes absolutely I think it's journalism is essential to our society it is tricky right now in in a I guess a post-truth uh, culture where people don't necessarily believe what you've said or uh, maybe they don't believe the outlet where you're saying it and so it's a it's an interesting era we're in in journalism because journalists pursue the truth they're truth tellers so how do you reconcile that they're telling the truth when the audience isn't willing to hear it so I think that's 
um, something maybe not quite solved yet, but what I, yeah, what I've experienced, and I mean, uh, I've been doing journalism ever since I finished my degree uh, as a freelancer. So this has been, yeah, I'm, I'm st keeping my toe in there, but I'm not full time or anything. The, what I've noticed is that uh, where I see the most impact at least from my experience, is uh, small towns or community newspapers. I think, where else are you going to get that information? Because you can get the big, um, the big media stories, but they're covering, you know, large areas. So you're going to, if you lose that community aspect of the reporting, you, I think you lose a big piece of your community. Mm. Where do you see the future of journalism going? And is there... Can you see like a light at the end of the tunnel where we get away from uh, this, all this fake news that seems to be prevalent in, in, you know, especially Facebook and all the social medias? Yeah. It's a big I question, think, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the light at the end of the tunnel is that I believe truth wins in the end, that eventually the truth will find a way through how i i really can't say um i guess because i believe that it will it will exist because it must but that's not really a practical answer <laughs> the uh, i see i see it continuing but i see it maybe changing in how it's done because the you know the daily papers the weekly papers they're all getting smaller and smaller and you know the the newsrooms are, have two three people slogging away trying to really really do the work of that should be a much bigger team and they're going to burn out and that is unsustainable the 24-hour news cycle means they never get a break so how do you how do you do journalism in this environment i'm i don't know if i can answer that but i i think it will find a way and maybe that comes from partisan you know people very having very niche interests or covering their own areas because they want people to know what's going on. Maybe it comes from some grassroots um, movements. Uh, I don't know, but I know it will, it will continue to exist. I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the truth will prevail. And that may be uh, a bit of a noble statement that, yeah. um, <laughs> may not may not come to fruition but you know if you look at like the history of news as i do because I'm, I'm a bit of a geek in that way mm. um but you look at like you know yellow journalism um like in the 1920s right and then it shifts when people get sick of all this and um you know truth becomes more important and quality journalism becomes right more important so i i really see like the cycles and and journalism um and how that kind of plays out so i think we're definitely it's funny because now you know we've got the whole covid19 we've got a bit of yellow journalism so we really are living in a world that feel to me feels like it's 1918 uh, or 19 you know yeah. 20s sort of that yeah. sort of feel which is kind of funny but um i think I think there hopefully, you know, there's companies out there that are trying to solve journalism through technology, right? And mm -hmm. I hope there's some way that 
you know, technology has not been kind to journalism, unfortunately. True. Um, but hopefully we'll see something um, where a company is able to actually leverage some sort of, you know, social media platform to bring journalism back, I think, mm-hmm. where it belongs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's my, um, I guess, uh, take on it. I don't know if you, do you feel like technology will, will prevail and that we'll actually have some sort of platform that will help journalism instead of hinder it? Yeah, I do, because I think looking back at history, the biggest innovations have come when there's a big problem to solve. So here we are with a big problem to solve. Um, And I think the pandemic only heightens that pressure. So yes, I think something will come of this. I can't guess what, but yes, I'm expecting it. (laughs) All right, I'm going to shift back towards um, the copywriting. Mm and. So for, I guess, I mean, like, you know, maybe I, I can broaden this question, but for anyone who you're, you know, very experienced uh, writer, freelance writer, you have, yeah, you're copywriting, you do journalism. Uh, for somebody who wants to get into freelance writing um, mm-hmm. is maybe working a full-time job or just graduating. I think now we, you know, we discussed before we went on air that, this may be a great time to actually uh, step into that world and step into freelance writing. What advice would you give new writers? Yeah, I have lots of advice. <laughs> I think, okay, so I really tried to, to think about this in a way that would serve the person who has no idea uh, because I'm coming, I guess I'm coming as the, the person with the, who, in the technical company who has the jargon and so I'm, I've tried to dial it back a bit. <laughs> the, if, you, if you're thinking, I want to be a freelancer, and I hope that it involves writing, my advice is to actually figure out ahead of time what kind of writing you think you want to do. So we talked a little bit about copywriting. We've talked a little bit about journalism. There are many other types of nonfiction writing. So what type of writing do you want to do? And get clear on that. And then what type of business or client would that be serving? So figuring out your, what you do and who you serve and then figure out where they are. You're doing all this before you're applying for any kind of jobs or positions or asking anyone, are you hiring a writer right now? You're just, you're kind of figuring out within what you're about, what you want to write. And then uh, I think then you're ready to start looking for that client or that gig. And so that is a whole other thing. But I think the first thing you should do is really, really think about what what kind of knowledge and expertise do you already have? What are you interested in doing? What kind of writing are you interested in doing? And then who, who do you want to write for? Nice. And then, so, yeah, so you get that clear. What is the next step? Who do you reach out to? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's like, do you build a website? Do you like, where on social media do you go? Yeah. Okay. So let's say you've decided and you're pretty clear on what you want to do, uh, but you don't have a website and you don't really do anything on social media. Then I say, no, you don't need that stuff yet. What you're going to do is you're just going to try and introduce yourself to these people 
who are a great fit for what you're going to offer them. How you do that, there's a number of ways. I think there's lots of advice on the internet for how to do this the best way. I think you got to find a way that's natural to you. Basically, okay, let's pretend we're in an era where you could go to a networking event and meet someone in person. That's a wonderful way to meet a potential client. You go to some sort of industry-specific Zoom meeting. Maybe you can get an invite through a friend of a friend. Or uh, go on go on a website, find these the email address, email, ask them if, they're, if they hire freelancers. Um, tell them a little bit about what you write or what you will write and how that will benefit them. So those are just a couple ideas. Cool. Can we talk a little bit about pitching? And um, yes. I've, you know, you, you talk a lot about, uh, you know, pitching clients on your blog and mm-hmm. I'm sure you have some great tips. So can you share some things? Cause that's super important, yeah. no matter kind of what stage you are in your, your writing career. Um, so yeah, yeah, so just any, um, <laughs> Any tips that you can you can provide would be great. Yeah, I this is this is I think the most important. Well, it's half of the most important part of freelancing is pitching. The other half is closing. <laughs> <laughs> so, pitching, yeah, making. So I've I've already said making sure that you are pitching the appropriate people because if you're just emailing whoever, hey, I'm a writer, I can write about anything, I will do a great job. You know, that's not, that's not going to get the attention of, of your ideal, the ideal person you want to write for. But if you've crafted your idea in a way that makes a lot of sense and is a perfect match for what they're doing, all you have to do is put it together in a nice email and showcase through your email writing that your grammar is good, that you have a grasp on of the English language or whatever language you're pitching in and, and demonstrating that, uh, that you will do a good job through your professionalism. So yeah, I say come with, if you're pitching a company and you're just inquiring if they are looking for a freelancer, just leave it at that. Hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This will benefit you. Are you looking for freelancers right now? If you're pitching, let's say, an outlet with a story, you know, come with a couple ideas. This is what I'm thinking of writing. I think it'll be a good fit for your publication because. Um, so those are, those are my, if it's completely cold, that's what I would do. But I always recommend trying to actually develop a relationship before you pitch. It's hard sometimes, especially when you're like, I need money yesterday. Then it's pretty hard. But if you are in a... If you're in a, a, a nice, let's say you're working your day job, you have some time. To, I would say get your Twitter account going, get your LinkedIn account going, start following, start interacting with your kind of ideal people you'd like to write for or follow the publications you'd love to see your article in and start getting to know the people who write for them, the, the key editors, the key players, the marketing director, of the company that you want to write for, uh, the communications director. These are the people who it would be really nice to have some name recognition or have a little bit of rapport with before you approach them with a pitch. Yeah, I think social media is such a godsend for pitching for exactly the reasons you described because, you know, it's now so easy to get on Twitter and to Mm -hmm. kind of do a little bit of stalking and figuring out, you know, what the person is about and mm-hmm. and 
to form a little bit of a relationship with that person, right? Yeah. Um, do you have any, do you do a lot of uh, like phone pitching or is your pitching mostly through email? I do mostly email. I, I know people who pick up the phone and call companies and I, I think it's very effective, but I can't speak directly to it. <laughs> All right. Um, so you got the client, you, you, um, I guess you pitched the client, you talked about closing. What, yeah. what sort of tactics can you, uh, give us on, you know, that you, you put them in with the, your idea or your story or, you know, yourself, what can you do to close that client? Mm-hmm. So with a cold pitch, which cold meaning, I guess that's a jargon term, cold meaning you don't know them, they don't know you, you have no relationship. With a cold pitch, it's a little trickier uh, to close something because a lot of the time you're not going to hear back, especially if it's an email or maybe you've left, left a voice message. But what you can do in those situations is just work on a follow-up system. So, you know, whatever makes sense for you. So you've pitch and if you don't hear back you email after five days or two days or whatever you work out a system that makes sense and that feels good to you and not slimy Um, you work out but making sure to follow up that is really really important for any pitch that you actually follow up if uh, it's a warm relationship a warm um, pitch which means you have some sort of rapport with this person you can just touch base you know oh just a quick touch base hey did you see that email wondering what you thought you can be a little more casual with that um the big uh yeah so the big idea is getting a response even if it's a no because that means okay now you're you're in a back and forth so maybe later you can come at them with a new idea down the road so uh so sometimes the closing happens immediately. You pitch, you get a yes, awesome. You work out your rate, you work out your deadline, and you're going. Sometimes it's a longer, a longer trail. So um, you get a no, you pitch again later, you get a no, you pitch again later. But over this, over this time, you've developed a back and forth, and eventually you'll find something that works. I, I say if it's, if it's a good fit and you're coming, you're coming at it, um, with, and you're the right kind of uh, the right kind of writer for what they do. Cool. How, do you have any tips? Because follow, you said, yeah, follow-up is by far, for me personally, is by far the hardest. Mm-hmm. Is there any system or tips maybe that you have to ensure that you do follow-up? And what do you think is a good follow-up system? Like, should you contact them, you know, like every other day, you know, leave it for a week? Is there like a rule of thumb that you have? <sighs> that's, yeah, that's a good question. I think with journalism pitches, my system is different than with my copywriting pitches. So when I'm going after a copywriting client, I'm going after a client who I will, I would like to work with for a while. So um, on an ongoing basis. With a journalism pitch, I'm generally going for an article or two. Um, I'm not looking for, you know, a 30 article deal because I don't know about if those even exist. Um, <laughs> usually I'm going with one idea uh, and I'm, I'm trying to find a home for it. With copywriting, you're looking for, yeah, you're looking to join a team essentially. Um, and so that follow-up process is a little more aggressive actually than a journalism pitch for me. 
So I would say, yeah, I would, I would work out first. I do all my research and my internet stalking and figure, you know, who do I need to talk to? What, what are they about? Do they have any interests that align with my interests that we can kind of have a rapport over? Is there, are they doing anything interesting on Twitter that I can like or retweet? Um, and then when I pitch, I'll email, then I'll wait a few days, then I follow up, then I wait a week, then I follow up, then I wait a week and I call. Um, getting to that call is the scariest part because you probably haven't heard anything, right? So you're just like, ah, this is maybe awkward. A lot of the time though, when you do call, they meant to get back to you and forgot or it was on their to-do list and you know they're so sorry a lot of the time they're honestly just too busy or went to their junk mail um it, it's not really it often ends up not being too bad if you can get them on the phone but after that i generally will leave it so it's about yeah three four week um follow-up sequence and that's if i haven't heard anything back if I hear back, then it changes everything. And you just mm. go with what you go follow their lead from there. Yeah. Yeah. It, when you don't hear back, you, you build this story in your mind. You're like, oh, my pitch was bad. They hate my writing. And you're right. Like it's more of the, you know, the, that they didn't, you know, they just, you know, it slipped through the cracks. Right. And it wasn't mm -hmm. that they mm -hmm. hated you or that you're a bad writer. It's just that, um, Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're busy, right? These people are yep. busy. Yeah. So, um, they're, yeah, yeah, they're busy and hiring a freelancer isn't the, isn't at the top of their list. And <laughs> so <laughs> you kind of have to bump yourself up in a nice, respectful way. Yeah. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about your writing routine and when do you like to write and, what that process looks like because I'm I'm always yeah. fascinated about that. I I've developed a routine over the last I guess now three years that has started really working for me. I began um, mostly because I felt really stuck. I wasn't moving really anywhere in my career or my writing or my skills, and I just felt all around I was in a rut. So I started getting up early about 4 30 in the morning and i i carved out a two-hour period where all i do is write and i on weekdays not weekends so that's i do take a break but i yeah every monday to friday for the last three years i've gotten up at 4 30 and written and i write until about 6 30 and then i'm mostly done for the day i mean i still i i still do writing during the day but um the two hour block is where i'm the most productive that's where i get most of my work done yeah i'm the same same way i always find the morning is where all the creativity comes and then when you when the day gets longer and you're like you know you get more tired and there's other things that kind of seep into your brain like you know did i return that call or what did this you know this email so yeah, I, I think that the morning is definitely my peak creative time. Mm -hmm. um, so do you, you know, right now we're living through a very difficult time uh, with the whole COVID-19 um, virus. Uh, you know, a lot of people are not working, you know, people are mm -hmm. concerned about loved ones. Yeah. Finding that 
that two hours right that you that you yeah. use to you know to write do you have any tips on how you can focus and maybe just block off that time um mm-hmm. yeah to you know to make sure that the work gets done right yeah and i guess i'll say that this has been what works for me i know this isn't realistic for everyone that yeah finding a two-hour block of time where nobody interrupts you um, i found that block because my biggest distraction was email and for whatever reason i have a terrible time turning it off so i thought what if i was up before everyone else and no one can email me and that is what i so i found a way even though i couldn't overcome the distraction like i didn't have the self-discipline i guess i found a way to like move it away in that sense so that's how i that's how i focus i find a way to yeah just remove the problem so for me it was email another i guess issue i had was um i would i would maybe have something um some other distraction and so i set up a desk that faces the wall and i have nothing interesting (laughs) around me and that's where i write and that's all i do at this desk so i have a different computer for everything fun and then the computer the little like junk laptop i have for writing um like all it does is open the document and that's where I write. And actually that's made a big difference because there's no way I can go online and browse because my computer just can't take it. So for me, that, that's been actually a big help. I actually love that idea <laughs> to having a whole separate uh, computer just for writing. Um, I just, I'm so weak. <laughs> I think we all are. I don't, I don't think that's a personal uh, flaw. I think that's a human flaw where you know, you want to check social media, you want to, um, yeah, you, you, you know, you don't want to actually do the work, right? Mm-mm. So, um, nope. <laughs> uh, so I think, yeah, now's a good time to maybe plug your book and, um, sure. yeah. So tell us about your, your book that you're writing and, and what's it about and kind of what inspired it. Sure. And I mean, at this point, it's the concept of a book. So I've been formulating my proposal for the last little while, and it's all about marketing tips for freelance writers. And where this came from was, I think, because of my natural interest in marketing and then proceeding into copywriting, I recognize there's a a lot of freelance writers who really don't have the comfort level to market themselves so while they're they're fine copywriting for others uh they they really struggle talking about their business or themselves or even telling people that they are a freelance writer available for hire and so it gets them into this kind of insecurity or i don't know what um but there's a real um there's a real important need for freelance writers to market themselves. And so that's what this is addressing, just some really basic tips for overcoming those objections that freelance writers have for talking about themselves, because it feels either like, you know, I have a lot of other writing to do for clients. So talking, you know, working on my own marketing is a huge waste of time. I'm not getting paid for that. Or they have this just genuine fear that someone will call them out and that they'll be exposed as not the best writer in the world or, you know, something like that, which is a genuine fear, but also 
if you want to be a freelancer and you want to get paid to write, you've got to market yourself. You got to tell people that you're a freelancer who is available to write for money. And so what tips would you give somebody? Yeah. uh, Yeah. What tips do you have um, for people who are scared of, of, um, of putting themselves out there? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is to recognize that what you do is helping people. So when you're telling people that you're a freelancer who writes for money, this isn't because you're greedy. This isn't because you're conceited. This isn't, it has nothing to do with, it's not, it's not all that you're a used car salesman who's ripping people off, like whatever that story we tell ourselves is that's not what this is. You are getting the word out because what you do is very important to the people you serve. You're helping people. It's a service that you're providing for some, for whatever market that is. You're helping make connections between a business and their customers. And, and it's a very important service that you're providing. So you actually owe it to the world to tell people about what you do. And what platforms or social media um, yes, uh, accounts, platforms, would you recommend that writers be freelance writers be on? I, yeah, it depends on what your, where your customers are. So, uh, your ideal customer. So if you are looking to get into, let's say, uh, becoming a writer uh, for like a marketing agency or something like that, you know, where are those agency people hanging out? Uh, where are where are they most active? You might find them on LinkedIn. That's probably a good place. And many CEOs and business owners are, would be on LinkedIn. That's um, a really good platform to get involved in. Uh, if you're looking to maybe have software developers or you want to serve other writers or you want to serve authors, then you'll probably go to Twitter. If you're looking for small business owners, you'll be on Facebook, or if you're looking for bloggers that you want to maybe be a virtual assistant for or help them um, with their marketing, then you would go maybe on Pinterest. Like there, you do need to really narrow in on who you're serving and where they're the most active. And then if you can swallow that social media platform, then you can go there too. <laughs> if it's not a good fit for you and you really hate it, like it's not going to work. So then, yeah, you got to find another way. But that's what I'd recommend, like doing some research um, and figuring out where they're hanging out and then showing up there in an authentic way. Yeah, that's really good advice. I think that's always something I tell people. If you hate the platform, you're you're not going to sustain it for Mm -hmm. like for example i just i really dislike instagram and i know (laughs) that it's probably the most popular social media platform right now and people love instagram Mm -hmm. i just but i just can't force myself to to do anything on instagram um so i mean that's just my personal i guess beef um yeah, but, so it won't work then. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and you can't sustain that over the long term because social media is definitely, it's a long-term play. It's not going to be mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you're going to put one post out there and you're going to have, you know, a thousand clients banging at your door offering your, or uh, wanting your services, right? Um, yeah. But so having done marketing, you know, copywriting for, you know, for a while now, 
what mm -hmm. kind of for businesses, right, who um, maybe want to try a little bit of marketing themselves, what yeah. sort of avenue would you recommend or something that they can try themselves that um, doesn't seem so scary? Right. Yeah, because it can be scary actually talking to your customers, especially if you're from maybe an uh, old style of business where you broadcast and then they, you know, they do what you say. And so things have changed now. People, customers want a relationship with the businesses that they shop at. So yeah, if you're looking to get into your own marketing, which I would recommend because you'll learn a lot about how you do business and how to do business better. I would start actually by looking at your reviews and looking at your emails and responding to everyone and just developing one-to-one -one relationships. If someone has a complaint, try and fix it, ask them what happened, try and understand. If someone has a, a praise, you know, talk to them about that, what's going on. Uh, that's where I would start and that is marketing. So like you don't have to do any big like, you know, uh, provincial wide advisor, you know, you don't have to make a big move yet. I would start small and just dip your toe into marketing. And remember that anything you do that's interacting with your customers is marketing because you are showcasing your brand to people who will give you money. I think that's, yeah, that's brilliant advice. I think, right. Start small and exactly dip your toe. I think that's, that's really good. Um, so switching topics a little bit um, is I want to I, I generally ask most of my guests this, but is there a particular book that I mean, a book or person or podcast? But since you're a writer, I, I want to say book that has influenced you and sort of the path or the choices you've made during your life. Hmm. Yes, I. <laughs> I can't think of a better book for a writer to read than Stephen King's On Writing. I'm sure you've read that. <laughs> yeah. That, I, I read it, I don't know, five, six years into my professional writing career, and it changed my life, and I was already a working writer. It blew my mind, and <laughs> yeah, it changed, it absolutely changed my approach to writing and how I write, and what I pay attention to just in simple, like basic writing, but also in big picture stuff. Just, yeah, he has a lot, a lot of great advice, which makes sense. He's a very successful writer, but I, yeah, I would highly recommend on writing. Very good. I think, um, was that where you decided to get up at some crazy four, what is it? 430? Yeah. <laughs> Not quite, <laughs> but yeah, he gets up early. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think it it began in uh, intriguing me the thought, but I certainly wasn't ready at that point. But what it did teach me was that I needed uh, that there was always something I could do to improve my writing. And I think I, I had begun to coast. I was yeah, I think five six years into my career, I begun to coast a little bit, and so it really um, snapped me into shape and made me recognize like this is an ongoing. Um, path like you need to always be improving and yeah so it really I think it really just uh kicked things up into gear for me and and uh helped me just move forward again so what are some of the things that you do now to keep the that pencil sharpened 
so to speak. Mm -hmm. Actually, one of the things that I do, yeah, to keep sharp is that I keep pitching even when I don't need work um, because I find pitching difficult and hard and scary. And when I, it's a lot easier not to than to. So yeah, so I, I pitch, I, I, I try to pitch every week. I would say I'm, I'm not always consistent, but yeah, that's always on my marketing list because I have a, a list of things I do to market my business every week and pitching is on there. So uh, whether, whether it's a small, you know, fo follow up with someone I've worked with in the past or it's a cold pitch just to keep in practice. Yeah, that's what I um, regularly do. And actually I've learned a lot because sometimes editors or um, uh, agency directors will get back to you. And so I found that really, really instructive. Nice. What's, I'm curious to, to know what else is on that list. What else is on my, how do I stay sharp? Yes. Yeah. Well, your, I'm. <laughs> your marketing list. Uh, specifically, oh, on the marketing list. Yes. Yeah. So I, yeah, I make a, a marketing list every quarter and um, like I kind of mix it up a little bit. And I learned this from Ed Gandia, who is a business to business copywriter. And he taught me how to do this. And so you, you put down, you put down a list of absolutely everything you could do to market your business. And then you divide it into um, different, different levels of priority for ROI, basically. It's a whole, it's like a whole course he teaches, so I can't get into it, but uh, essentially I then put my list together every quarter and then I break it down into daily tasks. So um, a lot of, a lot of what I do for my marketing right now is intentionally building my community on social media and my platform as blogging on my website, uh, pitching regularly. Uh, I have a, a nurture list. So these are people that I just want to stay friends with, or I just want to stay uh, friendly, I guess, or supportive of, or so these are people maybe I'm just supporting their careers, or I'm helping share the word about something they're doing, or I'm, ju I'm just trying to get to know them a bit better, because maybe I'll pitch them later. So those are the main things that I'm working on these days. Cool. So thank you so much for being on the podcast, Robin. You mentioned your blog, uh, I think Twitter. Where else can uh, people find you? Yeah, my blog, robinrosty.com and Twitter at Robin Rosty. Those are the main places I hang out. I'm also on Instagram. <laughs> you can find me there. And I think those are my main places. Of course, if you want to connect on LinkedIn, I have a profile there too, Robin Rosty all across the board and I would love to connect with you. Perfect. Thank you so much, Robin. Thanks, Appreciate Joel. your time. Yeah, thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Publishing for Profit. Please like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.